And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders, according to their father's houses. Twelve rods, so like shepherd's staffs. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house, and then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony, that's the ark of the Lord, where I meet with you, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece. For each leader, according to their father's house, twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. And then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his rod, his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses. Just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? And that's how that chapter ends with that question mark, shall we all utterly die? We saw on Tuesday night in chapter 18, right after this, after God affirms that calling and consecration of Aaron, a whole chapter is dedicated to how God is going to work through Aaron, a reminder of the priesthood, that it's a blessing, it's a gift, that the people, that the priesthood would provide for the family of Aaron and his household, that the tithes of the people were for the priesthood, but the priests themselves would also tithe from the tithes of the people, and that God just had a great plan for all of them. Chapter 18 is really a beautiful chapter of his order and design that would guide worship for the nation of Israel for the next 1,500 years the way God defined it with his people in this covenant, particularly with the house of Aaron being the high priesthood and then the Levites assisting them in that service. And that's our background. But the people, again, it's just so frustrating in some ways because you see God doing something beautiful. The chapter should really be about the blossoming rod of Aaron and God's confirmation upon his life, which it really is. But still, even in the midst of that, you got these people that are like, oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to perish. And it's just so sad because at the same time, God is moving by his spirit and people are applying faith and going forward in their calling. There are other people who have rejected the, the choice of faith and have believe the testimony of fear, and everything's about them perishing, it's about fear, it's about not this, it's about not that, and you can't, you just can't even reason with them, and what's incredible for me is to think like these people all live in the same community, 2.5 million people, they're not just living together, they're camping together for the next 38 years, and you're a neighbor, and you're under 20, and eventually you're over 20, and you're trying to do the right things with the Lord to get ready to go in the promised land and be fruitful and enjoy your marriage and your children as a Bedouin, you know, on the move. And at the same time, you got this other generation, no matter what you say to them, that's based upon faith and hope and promises of God, it doesn't mean anything to them. They're completely given over. They're, they're like zombies in the wilderness. You can't reason with them. You can't tell them God is light and him is no darkness at all. You can't persuade them that God is good. You can't say like David said 500 years later, taste and see that the Lord is good. You can't reach them. They are unreachable. They're completely seared in their conscience. God has rejected them. 
They tested him 10 times and he gave them over to themselves. So all they can say in a chapter like this is, oh, we die, we perish, surely we perish. What can you do for people like that? I'll tell you what you can do for them. Nothing. There's nothing you can do for unbelief. Early on in ministry when I was in Virginia Beach, I remember there was a person, I was only like 30, first time I was a senior pastor, and this person was like, insisted that Jesus alone couldn't solve their problems, but they needed some additional psychological help or whatever. And I was like, Lord, I don't even know how to answer this person. And the Lord gave me the verse, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those who come to him must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And I said, if you don't believe Jesus can heal you from this, you won't be healed from this. Because he's the only one that can. And if you reject his power as Lord of the universe, who makes you and holds you together to heal you from this, then you have no hope at all. So good luck with what you think you need to do, Jesus plus this. God forbid we ever say Jesus isn't enough. And God forbid anyone in this room ever say the promises of God are not enough for our life to live a victorious life, an abundant life, a life filled with joy and perseverance no matter what persecution or tribulations and trials come our way. We want to be people like Paul and Silas praising the Lord in a prison cell in Philippi. That's who we are. That's our destiny as followers of Jesus Christ, if indeed you are born of the Spirit and a follower of Jesus Christ. But in the context of this story, it is amazing where God's doing something supernatural. I mean, it's like this cross right here blooming like a tree. It's the same inanimate matter. It's wood. Like, if we came in here and saw this cross to my left, your right, and you saw, like, lemons and oranges and grapefruit, we'd be like, oh my goodness, we'd all be like, we'd fall on our faces. Like, we wouldn't want to worship the thing. We'd be like, wow, God just did something supernatural that's contrary to nature because God's over nature. He's above it all. That's what happened in this chapter for an affirmation of the ministry. At the same time, there's people that don't get it. And what does God call them, by the way? Rebels. Rebels. People who reject Christ his promises, his authority, and his word, God calls them in this chapter rebels. Keep that in mind in our current day on December 5th, 2020. He calls them rebels. Not the people who believe the word of God or who meet in obedience and sing praises in accordance to the word of God. He calls those who come against that rebels, not those who do that. Do not confuse the two. So, we look at this text and we think about the blossoming rod. And we talked about this on Tuesday night. We want our, our shepherd staff, our rod to blossom. If we are born of the spirit of God and it, we've passed from death to life and we become a new creation, as the Bible says, then what is applicable to Aaron certainly in principle is applicable to us. He was called by God. He was confirmed by God. He had supernatural fruit evident in his life, confirming God's work in his life. In the next chapter, it would say of him that his ministry was to serve, and it was a gift from God to serve. The two chapters really go together, but we're focusing on chapter 17. So it's the affirmation of his calling, and then details of what a joy it would be, how God would provide for him, take care of him in all things during his service. So let's think about this. We want our life If we were to take your life, everyone in this room would confess Christ, and even younger children, for that matter, anyone that's born of the Spirit of God, from the youngest to the oldest in this congregation or or on the planet, 
we can take their life and, and we'd say, like, we want their life to be like a blossoming rod, a staff. That's what we really want. We want the confirmation of God and supernatural fruit confirming that we are the Lord's, that he is working in us, that he's working through us, and it's a contrast to the rebels who are at war against him, contrary to the covenant and the promises of God. That's what we want our life to be. So picture yourself as a blooming rod right now. Because really, that's a reasonable perspective to have on this text and application. Because all these things are written for our admonition, and the word of God is living and powerful and profitable for everything. And the principle here is, and of course, it says in the New Testament in 1 Peter that we're a royal priesthood. So when we think about the priesthood in the Old Testament, you're like, well, we don't really have that. But yet it's the Holy Spirit who says that every believer in Christ is a, is a priest unto the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're a royal priesthood. So I like to always connect that to passages like this where we sort of put ourselves in the place of Aaron, not as a high priest, because Jesus, of course, is our great high priest, we're told, but just in that he's a human being. I mean, think about this. Aaron built the golden calf that they all worship, Right? All these people died that day. 3,000 people died that day because of that golden calf. He got off the hook, and he still has his job. I mean, if anyone knew grace in the Old Testament, it's Aaron right here. Like, this is the same guy who, when he did something in his own effort, it was a golden calf that stumbled thousands, and 3,000 died. And baby brother had to set that straight, Moses. And yet here he is, devoid of anything that he could do, I mean, he just led the rebellion with his sister against his brother as well, right? I mean, Aaron and his sister Miriam went to Moses and said, you took too much. We're, we're just as important as you. And what did God do? Like, Miriam got leprosy. She was outside the camp for a week. And Aaron's like, yet again, hey, Aaron, sit down and just be glad you're wearing the uniform of the winning team. Go to the end of the bench and think about things for seven days while your sister's on the injured, reverse, injured reserve list, right? Like, kind of that sort of like... Everything stopped for two and a half million people because of what they did. And then uh, Dathan and these guys did the same thing. And so finally God goes, enough of this. This is the person. And God's affirming it. And he does the same for us. And this is really what we want to think about tonight. Because there's a lot of application for us. Aaron was saved by grace. His calling was by grace. He built a golden calf. He led a rebellion against his own brother. He's watched people die for the very things he did. And he's still here, and God's making his, his staff blossom. Do you feel like that tonight? I mean, like, sometimes I feel like, I can't believe God does anything with me. Like, I know me better than you know me. And I know me better than I want to know me. And God knows me better than I know me. Did you follow that? And it's the same for you. And yet we're all still here on this Saturday as a church family because we're going forward by grace. And grace takes us forward. And grace has taken Aaron forward here. Just the context of it all. It's like of all the people, Aaron's the guy whose rod is possiping. And you think of what his track record at this point is, and you just got, that is amazing grace. I mean, he, he's, he should have been cut from the team twice already. And yet... Hey, you're not only on the team, you're our starting quarterback. Don't mess with Aaron. The rest of you tribes, you know, don't even mess with it. This is my guy. That's what the Lord is saying, and that's what he says about us. So as we stand in amazing grace tonight, as we look at the life of Aaron and think how it applies to our life, just remember he's standing in amazing grace, and we are standing in the fullness of amazing grace.
As Susan Branch said this morning, she loves the Old Testament, but I'd rather have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. I think it's better that the Holy Spirit comes in every believer and can come upon every believer than just a few people like Gideon and David and a few others like Deborah doing something special. I like it that we can all have be the temple of God through faith in the Lord and having the Spirit come in us. That's a wonderful thing. So while Aaron had a black and white version, we have the full version with the Lord right now tonight to go forward this day. So the blossoming rod, that our life would be this this thing, this special supernatural thing of our life would be, our life itself would be a blossoming rod. So we think about this. First thing the Lord says is the man whom I choose. Verse five, the rod of the man whom I choose. So we can say the rod of the woman who I choose, the person I choose, the man I choose. In Jeremiah chapter one, God said something beautiful about Jeremiah. He said, before I formed in the womb, I knew you, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was even conceived, and of course God is outside of time, multidimensional, outside of dimension, he, he knows the days fashioned for us, when as yet there was none of them, Psalm 139. And we, we need to remember that the Lord has revealed himself to us. For the Bible says there's none that seeks the Lord, no, not one. And yet somehow at some point we heard the gospel and God drew us and we responded. Somehow his sovereignty and his election works with a a human element by which we're accountable for of faith and belief to respond with repentance, and it happened, or it will happen. And this is the mystery of it all, the second birth. But the person that God redeems is chosen by the Lord. That God chooses us is unquestionably a fact of theology in the word of God as God has revealed himself to us in the human experience. He holds the whole universe together And when we were one cell in the womb, before even one cell in the womb that multiplied and replicated itself to become the human being that you and I are, unique and distinct, he would say of us like Jeremiah, before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you. And we want to be reminded tonight that even as Aaron was ordained to be the high priest, we are ordained. When we give our life to Jesus Christ and we're born again and we pass from death to life, we are ordained. My wife got saved on December 7th, 1987. I was there. She was not my wife. But the dates easy to remember because, of course, it's the day of Pearl Harbor, right? It's December 7th. It's an easy day to remember. And every year I remember my wife's birth in Christ is coming up, and it's coming up in two days. She passed from death to life. I knew her before Christ. She was a certain way. When she got saved, I'm telling you, she was this incredible woman to begin with, but like it was then multidimensional, like when she was born of the Spirit. It was just amazing to see that change. And it was like, wow, she's, it's like, made alive, which is what the Bible says. Now, some people, when they get saved, it seems to be more gradual. Like Timothy received the faith from his grandmother, and he heard Paul preach and eventually became part of Paul's ministry team. And Timothy was, you know, he, he had to be encouraged not to, you know, be timid over his age or things like that. But he was had a saving faith, whereas Paul had a dramatic faith, right? He's going to Damascus to kill people. He's struck down by the Lord. He hears the Lord, yet the other people with him don't hear the Lord. They hear like thunder. You know how it is? Like you can be in a room and hear the gospel and it's the voice of the Lord speaking to you. Someone else, it's just like thunder. Many are called if you are chosen. And when we're born again, like Jeremiah, we have now responded to the call and we now have that ordination upon our life. Like Aaron, in spite of a golden calf and a rebellion against his brother, he's got the booming rod. That's what it's like. The one whom I've chosen, the woman whom I've chosen, 
the man whom I'm chosen, the older person that I'm chosen, the younger person I'm chosen, the thief on the cross that I'm chosen. It's like once we have the faith in Jesus, we've passed from death to life, and we say, well, how do we know we're chosen? Because this is what people always say on this argument. is like, well, if you're wanting to walk with the Lord and you've given your life to the Lord, well, we know you're chosen. Well, what about that guy? I don't know about that guy. That's for them to figure out. That's God's universe, not my universe. Hey, you, t- you know, take care of, like Jesus said to Peter, don't you worry what I got for John. You, you stay focused on what I got for you. Just be happy you wake up and you want to seek the Lord. Be happy that you're convicted for sin when you sin. Be happy that the Lord reproves you and says, call those people and say you're sorry. Be happy that happens to you because there's people who do great evil and they don't have that conviction because they're not born of the Spirit. They're the rebels whose rods don't blossom. The planet's filled with 8 billion people and most of them have rods that do not blossom. They're used to beat on people. They're used to shake against God and face the sky. They're used to build towers of Babel of global governments where man governs man devoid of God. But we have the blooming rod. And praise God for that. Praise God that we wake up and we want to go to church on a Saturday at 6 p.m. at a Baptist church or a Calvary Chapel affiliate. That's a good thing. The man that I've chosen, the woman that I've chosen, I shared this on Tuesday night on my certificate of ordination that I got from Calvary Chapel Vista, whom Joe Henschel's dad signed. <laughs> I always think that, like Joe was like the little kid, but his dad was, you know, board of elders. And I, I got that certificate of ordination from 32 years ago. And there's Steve Henschel's signature, Brian Broderson, Doug Martin. It's amazing. But on that certificate of ordination is the text from John 15 where Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And how revolutionary was that and how important was that for them to hear that in John chapter 15 as he's going to the cross that very day on that narrative? They're going to see him because the Jewish day began at sundown, right? So this is all happening. And so within that day that began at night, they would see Jesus on the cross and step into the different dimension as he would go to the grave and set the captives free. And he said to them, on a day where they'd just be so stunned by everything, on a night where Peter would deny Jesus three times, where Judas would be the betrayer and hang himself, all this stuff, like who could even been prepared for that for these 12 disciples who were told of these apostles, Jesus said that he chose them. And he spent the whole night fasting in prayer with the Father, and then he came down and he chose the 12 apostles. And just as he chose them, he's chosen every believer on this planet right now tonight who's born again through faith in Jesus Christ. But in John 15, he said, he reminds them, because they're going to change the world. They're going to radically change the world with the, the apostles' doctrine, the gospel truth, and the power of the Holy Spirit. They're going to go on those Roman roads in that Greek-Roman world with all that human power, all that power of Caesar, all Caesar's power, and they're going to turn that world upside down. And they needed to know before the day of Pentecost ever came that you did not choose me, but I chose you. And we need to be reminded that. As we come to the end of 2020, we need to be reminded tonight that we did not choose Jesus, but he chose us. He revealed himself to us by his Holy Spirit, and he convicted us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And whether it was gradual like Timothy or profound like Saul struck down on the road to Damascus, there came a quickening in our heart where we decided to follow Jesus. Like the song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I will follow. And that has happened for most, if not all of us in this room. 
And we're here tonight, not because we're hanging on by a thread, because we've chosen to follow Jesus. We're here tonight because he's hanging on us, because he chose us. And the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And we have a firm foundation. Our God is a rock. And he's not moved, and he's not changed. And he's got us, and he's got this. And so it's good to be reminded on the end of this crazy year, in this final month, with another strange year looming, with all sorts of eclectic irresolvable puzzles and conflicts in the human experience hanging out there like a fog bank waiting to come in. I'm not trying to be negative, but if you haven't figured it out, 2021's gonna, you know, it's not gonna be 2020, but it's, this isn't done yet, right? We know that. This has all really just begun. We don't know where this all is gonna end. So it's good to be reminded tonight the kingdom is the kingdom, and the king chose us for his kingdom. And the woman who I've chosen, the man who I've chosen, the young girl who I've chosen with terminal cancer, I think of Trinity Jameson, the, the young woman in love with her handsome husband, Melissa Henning Camp, who I've chosen, who's going to die at 21, four months after her wedding. Whoever he's chosen, whenever he's chosen, at whatever time in their timeline, he's chosen us, and he's got this, and he's got this. And I feel we've done a great job as a church congregation navigating this year we've made really good calls at the right time because we've let the lord lead us and guide us i'm watching lots of churches right now all over america scramble to realize if we don't open up we don't have a church we're being sifted but he chose you you didn't choose him and that's our source of comfort and he chose you knowing you can build a golden calf and raise a rebellion against moses and he still chose you and your rod is still blossoming supernaturally. So we should praise the Lord that he's chosen us. We should rejoice in that because that's a work of God. It's his work. If it was your work, it's a work of the flesh, but it's his work, so it's a work of grace. And so we believe and we're going forward and grace is wooing us and grace is leading us and we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and he's gonna get us through this. And whether it's the most enjoyable experience from here to eternity for each of us or a very difficult experience from here to eternity for each of us individually or collectively, he's going to see us through it because he chose us. And we're chosen for this purpose. We're chosen for this time. And we're chosen to serve the king. You did not choose me. I chose you. And how many times have I been distraught and overwhelmed in ministry where I just like, I can't do this. And the Lord reminds me what the ordination says. You did not choose me. I chose you. And like I shared a couple weeks ago, reading the letter I wrote my mom at the age of 16, not walking with the Lord at all, it's so evident that God chose me because I'm quoting scripture to my mom from Genesis 49 of Joseph being a fruitful bow. How do I even know that verse at 16? I mean, I went to catechism, but I didn't like really pay attention. Like I ran away to Hawaii. I stole my college bonds and cashed them at the bank and got on a plane at San Diego Airport, PSA, and flew to Honolulu, got on the bus with a surfboard and 35 bucks and went the wrong, wrong bus, wrong way around the island. But I still got to the North Shore before dark and it was still 12 feet. And I stayed with my friends and, and I, I, I lived on $35 for a week and then I called my mom, I'm in Hawaii and I've run out of money. But that letter, my mom saved it. She saved it and she knew I'd find it. And I'm quoting scripture. God's going to make me a fruitful bow, mom. Like Joseph. Now, I'm named after Joseph, St. Joseph, you know, Mary and Joseph, Joseph. 
But, you know, like when you're 16, you can just kind of pull the joints if you want for what you're doing, whatever. But isn't that amazing? Because when I got saved in, in late 86, after my attempted suicide, I read Genesis from, for the first time ever. And I remember reading the life of Joseph, and I thought it was the most amazing life that I couldn't believe. Like, I never knew this person's life. But I did know that person's life because I quoted it when I wrote my mom at 16, run away to Hawaii. You did not choose me, Joey Brand. I chose you. And put your name in there, too, if you're walking with the Lord, confessing Christ. And that's our encouragement. So every time I feel discouraged, like, man, the Lord just reminds me, listen, I've got this. I've been running the universe for a long time. Before you came, I've seen a lot of evil men come and go. (laughs) Kings and queens and revolutions and guillotines and everything else. I've got this. I can take care of the animals. I can redo the planet. I know the stars by name. Exhale. Put your eyes on me. Take my word in. And let's go forward. That's all we need to do. You did not choose me. I chose you. That's what the Lord says. And he chose us that we will blossom. He said, it shall be the rather man or woman whom I choose will blossom. So the chosen person produces fruit. And it's not just any fruit. It's supernatural fruit. Think about this. In this text, no matter what Aaron could have tried to do with his rod to make things happen, he could not make it blossom, contrary to nature, these almond buds. Like he couldn't, there's nothing he could do to make that happen. Either the Lord's going to confirm him with the supernatural divine intervention to do something that's beyond Aaron's capacity and even human capacity, or he's not. And when it comes to ministry, the Lord is not asking you to use your talents or me or wits or administrative skills and all the incredible things that human beings can do because we can do pretty incredible things, right? I mean, we put a Jeep on Mars. We're going to put people on Mars probably if the Lord tarries in the next 40 years. There's probably going to be people that go to Mars. Like, that's just crazy to think that. That human beings can figure out space, gravitational pull, the mathematics, the physics of of it all. I read a book on Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space, the Russian cosmonaut, and how terrifying it was because he basically put him on an ICBM missile and shot him straight up and said, good luck. Not in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but good luck in the name of Stalin, right? That's what they did. He's he's in a little ball on a ballistic missile straight up, but he made it up. He went around once and he landed and parachuted and landed like like in the snow of Siberia, almost kind of like Uzbekistan or something. And he's a national hero. That's what Russian scientists can do in the 50s. Ten years later, we put man on the moon. We're like little gods because we're creating the image of God. We're not gods, so don't misunderstand me, but we're like little gods. Our brains are supercomputers. We talked about that in Genesis, the early chapters of Genesis, right? We are creating his image. Human beings can do incredible things. We can organize, we can influence, we can lead, and usually we organize and influence and lead for evil in most cases, right? All those leaders in the 20th century, most of them were for evil, and they did very evil things, and they led evil people in doing evil things. But we have these incredible capacities, yet the heart is a rebel, and who can know it because it's desperately wicked? So when we think about the Lord choosing us, we're like these little gods, but it's not the talents of these little gods that he chooses us for. For not many are called, many strong, many wise, many noble. 
but God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So he has to strip us down of what we think we could do for God in his name. I could be a great administrator. I could do all these great things for God. It's like, actually, no, just humble yourself and let him do what he's going to do through you. Let him make your rod blossom. And don't sit there and like, I'm such a little God. Here comes a little almond blossom. No, just like rest in the Lord. Look unto Jesus go boop, 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 like that. Because it's got to be supernatural. This chapter is about the supernatural. This blooming rod is supernatural. This has nothing to do with Aaron. This is everything to do with the Lord. And so as we come to the New Testament and we think about believers in the New Testament, since we're chosen according to his foreknowledge and all that, but I, I believe fully in choice. I don't understand both things. Like Elizabeth Elliott, I say, I just don't get them. But they're both there, and I teach them both, and I believe them both firmly. And I, I, I just do. They're absolutely both there because Jesus said you were not willing. I didn't want to do this to Jerusalem, but you were not willing. So he had held them accountable for not exercising self-will to respond to them. So, of course, we have a choice. And, of course, the Bible is filled with choice from Genesis, the tree, to Revelation. But as we give our life to Christ and we're born again and we become a new creation, the woman I've chosen, the man I've chosen, what God does is supernatural. And I want to remind us of this tonight. Because man's out here right now trying to figure everything out in his own wit and wisdom. Government is trying to figure out how to govern. Well, government's always trying to figure out how to govern. They don't need a, you know, whatever this is, the COVID situation. And there's medical people trying to figure it out, and they're completely divided over it. There's political people over the world trying to advance various causes. It's crazy. But they don't have the supernatural to do it unless they're born again. It's just men and women, devoid of God, trying to govern men and women, devoid of God, who are rebels against God, in a world where they don't want God. And of course, it's all moving toward a new world order and a global government that completely, and God says this in his word, completely rejects God. In fact, what do we see? We're told in the end game, people are given over to a spirit of delusion. And let me just say this. Have you ever seen more clueless people walking around the planet than right now? I mean, honestly, we, I, I love critical thinking. I'd settle for common sense right now. And I'm just being truthful and transparent because it's true. Like, you cannot reason. Like, right now, if you have any narrative other than the one that's being forced on us by the globalists, they can't even listen. There's no marketplace of thought. It's cancel culture. It's the woke mob. It's, it's insane. Good is evil. Evil is good. And you can't reason with these people. I can't tell you how many people I talk to who love the Lord, walk with the Lord, who have friends and relatives who are just walking around in a stupor. And people that are normally intelligent are completely devoid of any common sense in their thinking. And you can't reason with them. They're the rebels. Because they're not the ones trusting in God and his word. They're not the ones bowing the knee to Jesus in most cases. And if we want to put all of our confidence in doctors and medical people, ask the woman with the flow of blood how that went for her. Grab on to Jesus' tassel. I've watched so many people look to doctors to deliver them from death, and they died. Because even if you're healed, you're still going to die. One of the stories my dad told me, because my mom's brother and sister both died of cancer before 30. But her big brother, who was her idol, buddy, died of cancer. And he had a leg amputated to try and cut off the cancer. It was the 50s. But I never knew this, but my grandfather, Bud, he flew to 
the Catholic shrines in Italy to bring back holy water to heal his son from cancer. My dad told me that story two years ago. That's what you do. Like, what well, you've tried every doctor. They've said this. They've said that. The cancer doctor, this thing, the holistic one, the pharmaceutical one. And they all gave their opinion. And you still cut off Bud's leg and you still go to the Vatican, bring back holy water, and he still dies. Man, grab the tassel of Jesus. That's where our, that's where our confidence has to be. I'm not against doctors. In fact, you know, I, I got medical insurance, and I'll, if, if I face this or that or whatever, I, I like to have the opinion. But don't walk in a doctor's room and think they're the end all. They're not the end all. They're human beings. And if they think killing babies in the womb is okay, then how much less can you trust them? I almost want to make them sign a disclaimer. Are you pro-choice or pro-life? Because if you think my grandkids in the womb right now are tissue, I don't want you to give me any advice. You don't know anything. Because you don't fear God. I'll grab the tassel of Jesus and you can keep your chemo. We're going to die. But we're going to die chosen and we're going to die bearing fruit. Supernatural fruit. Because that's the real fruit. See, this fruit is not human fruit. This is not human wit and wisdom of little gods and all that they know and think they know. This is the fruit of God. When God touches your life and you have the fruit of the Spirit working in your life and there's love and there's joy and there's peace and there's patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. We can't produce that. Our love is limited. Our joy is limited. But his is not. And that's why Romans 5 tells us that the Holy Spirit's been shed abroad in our hearts who's been freely given to us. And as much as we're willing to press in as chosen rods of the Lord, if you will, he will produce the supernatural fruit that just keeps on giving and giving. There is no end of the love and the power and the characteristics of the Holy Spirit being poured on our life of Galatians 5. There's no limit. We can have more self-control, and I need it. We can have more gentleness, and I certainly need it. We can have more kindness. We can have more love and peace and joy. We can have more. It's not like you tap it out, like you've tapped out your quota for a lifetime of peace from the Lord. It surpasses understanding, and it's supernatural on the rod. It's a, it's a supernatural fruit on the rod of your life that is outside of us. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world give, gives I to thee. Like, it's, it's all supernatural. So when we think about the, our life being the blossoming rod, it's supernatural, it's divine work, like the blossoming rod. It's impossible for us to produce the fruit of the Spirit. We can't do it. It's contrary to our nature as daughters of even sons of Adam. But when we're born again, it's what he does with his nature in us to produce that character and those characteristics and that godliness of a godly woman and a godly man. That's what he does. It's the same as the rod blossoming. The miracle of you and I having the fruit of the Spirit in our life is no different than the miracle of this wood blossom into an orange tree. Because neither one can happen apart from God doing it. We can do church. Lesser people are doing that now, though, right? We can do religion. How's that working out in 2020? No. We do born again, and we do fruit of the Spirit, because it's our yielding and trusting where God produces it. We're not manufacturing any of it. It has nothing to do with the works of the flesh. It has to do with humility and crying out to Jesus. It has to do with seeking, knocking, and asking, and how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who do so? It's Aaron's rod. Our life is Aaron's rod. And it's in us, but then it's through us. Because when the life has been transformed supernaturally, 
by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then it overflows supernaturally, and we fulfill our ministry. And even as Aaron, it was, a, it was his gift from God, the service of the priesthood. It was all a gift. That's what he said, a gift of service. And once we've been saved and born again, the supernatural work and the blossoming happens within us, and then from us comes that fruit. Because Jesus talked about our life having fruit, right? He said, you'll know good teachers by their fruit, and you'll know bad teachers by their fruit. You can just look at their fruit. What's their fruit? What are they living for? What are we seeing? And we know that our life produces fruit. And Jesus used that example where, again, in John 15, he said, Abide in me, and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. If my word abides in you, you will ask what you will, and my Father will hear, and you will bear much fruit. So the idea is that we're connected to Jesus, and we're connected to the Father, and the word of God is guiding us and leading our prayers, and we produce fruit. That fruit is the fruit of the ministry, because Aaron's fruit, his blossoming rod, was confirmation of his priesthood and the service in the tabernacle, leading the priests, leading the Levites, and it was his ministry. So when we think like, say, for example, Bobby and Sophie leading worship, they're going to have fruit in their personal life, but their fruit of their calling and Bobby's Clearly, 20 years into, plus, like, Bobby's called to lead people in worship. That's his supernatural calling. And he, when he's leading us, he's, it's the fruit. He's taking us into heaven. He's taking us in the preview of coming attractions. That's why he's playing at my memorial. He's just going to remind you, don't mourn for me. He's going to remind you, I'm in glory. That's his fruit. Bobby Brown could be a great guitar player in any band, dude. He could do bars, clubs, whatever he wanted to do. He's obviously a very skilled musician. And Sophie's a gifted singer and just young and in front of all those things. They could do whatever they want for the world. But when they're born again in the Spirit, and they're the fruit of the Spirit, and then these gifts, it's fruit. That's eternal fruit. They're leading people into the presence of the Lord. That's what they're doing. It puts me at ease. It puts me in a good place. As we say, our headspace, I'm in a good headspace when Bobby and Sophie are leading worship. It's the songs we're singing. These are eternal songs, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit guiding them and leading us and singing these songs as a people of God, unto God, serving God, trusting God, and preparing to go to God. So when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, or it says in Romans that God has given each one a gift, a spiritual gift, we're not talking about the gifts of little gods that can put a Jeep on Mars or put, you know, Yuri Gagarin on a ballistic missile and launch him into orbit. We're talking about a rod blossoming that could never happen unless that rod belonged to the Lord and it happened supernaturally from and with the Lord. And that's where we end our thought tonight because that's who we want to be. Because if we say, you're the man who's chosen, you're the woman who's chosen, that God has chosen, we realize, okay. And then God says, I'm going to confirm that in your life by the fruit I'm producing supernaturally in the character of Christ through the fruit of the Spirit. And from that, I'm going to produce fruit of ministry. And we can look at the fruit of the ministry of this church. We think of like Fred and Kathy Jensen, all they've done with Operation Christmas Child, the soundboard with Ryland. we got a new CD we're working on. That's spiritual fruit. That's an overflow of the gifts being used. Or Susan teaching the women this morning. Emily Dean leading worship. These are gifts being used, but they overflow. So like... When you come play the piano for the women, man, you want, your, you want your rod to blossom almonds. When you get up and teach the Bible, you want your rod to blossom almonds. When you lead the women, you want your rod to blossom almonds. When you post stuff and you're ministering through social media, you want your rod to blossom almonds. When you just 
get up and praise the Lord and intercede for other people, you want your rod to blossom almonds. We want the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit upon our life, working transformatively in our life and overflowing from our life to confirm that you are the woman and you are the man that God has chosen. And let the rebels do what they're going to do. You know, they never answered the question about the rebels. They said, do we utterly die? Does anyone answer that question? <laughs> I can tell you, chapter 18, they do not. They, it's just, you know, the Bible has those type of things. It's like, so, so we utterly die? You know, the Bible says don't answer a fool according to their folly. <laughs> just like, there's no answers. Like, what are those people saying over there and the outside this camp? It's, never mind. It's like white noise. They're the rebels. They're all going to die in the next 38 years without the Lord. Now, we don't know who's going to die without the Lord. We know who's going to die with the Lord. But if we're the woman that God's chosen, we're the man that God's chosen, and our rod is blossoming supernatural fruit, then that is going to give us the heart for people. And we're going to need a lot more patience than we had in 2020 with the human race. I'm sure of it. We're going to need a lot more patience, a lot more love, and a lot more forgiveness. I think we're just finding our way. This is like when you do Spanish 101, your first time in college, and it's the entry level, and then you get the next level, or Russian, whatever. Like this, is all, this is like New World Order 101 that we've had in 2020. So we got to just keep letting things go. We've got to keep knowing we're chosen, and we've got to keep letting God let our rod blossom supernaturally, and we're going to get through this if we do that. That's what we're going to do. Leave the golden calves and the Moses rebellions behind us and just press on with faith. I want us to leave here tonight and as we finish this year and just think about this study, like that God has chosen us in Jesus Christ to bear eternal fruit from before the foundation of the world. And that is our focal point. And he will never abandon us in that or leave us hanging in that. We want to live this life with faith and dignity to the last breath, to the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. With faith over fear and trusting in God and loving humanity. If we do that, we will hear him for sure say, well done, good and faithful servant.